The Word says we're called to make disciples. We're growing in the Word of God. Jesus Christ was sent to be our Saviour. This is the Bromley Town Church Podcast. We pray God speaks to you through this message, blessing you as you live out God's Word. Stream or download other sermon podcasts via the Bromley Town Church website or by using the SoundCloud app. Head over to BromleyTownChurch.com. As Helen mentioned, we're beginning a new series this morning uh, called The Resurrection Life. And yeah, off the back of celebrating last Sunday, uh, Resurrection Sunday, um, it's good to be able to continue that kind of theme of resurrection. Um, Let's pray before we uh, dive into God's word. Father, we welcome your presence here. Lord, we have come not just to hear someone speak, but to hear you speak into our hearts. Lord, we've come not just because it's good to be together, but because we want to encounter the living God, because we want to hear from you, experience your presence, to draw close to you, to see who you truly are, and to respond to you. Lord, we welcome your presence here. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, come and speak into our hearts, I pray. Lord, thank you that the entrance of your word brings light. I pray that light shine into every heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yeah, the new series is called The Resurrection Life. And this morning, we're talking about how we uh, have access to the presence of God. I want to start with a story, actually. Not perhaps the story I want to tell you today, but it felt like the right story to tell you. Uh, possibly one of the, the, the most difficult periods of my uh, teenage years. We all have an s- embarrassing story, right? We all have a situation that we went through that was our struggle or our problem growing up. Uh, my struggle uh, as a young person particularly was that, and there are some people in this room that knew me as a young person, not just my dad and my mum, but there are other people here. One of the things about... Uh, uh, my friends would have known or anyone knew me, was that I was very small. So small uh, that, uh, you know, even, even now people are shocked at how old I am uh, when I tell them now and again. But uh, particularly, I remember the first day I turned up at university and they thought I was, like, doing work experience or something from... <laughs> and people were shocked. But um, there was possibly the, the hardest period of that time of being particularly small... Uh, perhaps uh, looking very, very young, was uh, when I was 14, and with a group of friends, we went to the cinema together to watch a film. Now, um, back then, the certificates were slightly different. Uh, Now, uh, anyone can go to a 12A, as long as you've got uh, a parent with you. Now, you know where my story is going. As a 14-year-old, I went to the cinema to watch uh, a Bond film. Um, and I got there with my friends, half of them looked about 18, and they said that I wasn't allowed to go in because I didn't look old enough. Um, And I I was even like, I've got a bank card. That shows that I'm 13. You've got to have a bank card. It was embarrassing. It was particularly bad when the next week one of my friends told the whole of his media studies class about my situation, which obviously um, was uh, was difficult for me. It was a struggle. In the end, the film was atrocious, so I'm glad I didn't spend my six pounds to go and watch it anyway. Tomorrow, 
and never dies. Um, not one of Brosnan's best. But um, there are always things that we want to gain access to that perhaps we can't. Perhaps um, it's because we looked too young and we were too young, or there are other things that perhaps prevent us from uh, going to places, seeing things, meeting people that we'd love to do, but we don't have the credentials. We don't have the access. Maybe it's because of the colour of your skin or where you were born. Maybe it's because of uh, your abilities. Maybe it's because of the way you look or the way that you behave. Maybe it's because of the lack of money or the lack of influence you might have. There's always a place where you might think, I can't get in there. I can't go there. Well, I'm here this morning to tell you there is a place that as believers, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we all have give, been given access to. And that is the throne room of God. That is God's presence. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, when you, if you were saved, I recognize that not everyone here will have made a decision to say, look, I, I want to follow Jesus Christ, and that's totally fine. Um, this morning, I'm probably focusing on the believers in the house, um, but hopefully, if you're not yet a believer, there's something about what I say that you think, I desire that, I want that. Access to the throne room of God, access to God's presence is given when we uh, put our trust in Jesus. Something supernatural took place when you first believed in Jesus Christ. Something extraordinary, something divine. God broke into your life and spiritual renewal took place. When we call upon the name of Jesus, he moves and he comes. In John 3, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. I have a little cold, and therefore um, I'm feeling a bit uh, needy, needing of water. In John 3, verse 5 to 6, Jesus is speaking to Nicodemus. And he says, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and of the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. When you put your trust in Jesus, you are reborn into the Spirit. There is, you are born again by the Spirit. God does a miraculous work within you uh, that brings transformation to your life. And this new life that you are given when you put your trust in Jesus gives you the opportunity to live your best life. In John 10.10, 10, and I love this verse, it talks of who Jesus is, but also very clearly of what the enemy is about. It says, the thief, the enemy, comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and life to the full. When we give our lives to Jesus, what we are being given back to us is the opportunity to live a full and abundant life. The opportunity to live a life that you were truly created to live. This life is a life where uh, everything is possible through Christ. You know, when Jesus, when God looks at you, what does he see? I believe that he sees potential. I believe that he sees 
the seed, the gold that he placed in you at the very beginning. I believe he sees everything that you were created to do and the opportunities that you could bring about living them out. We can only do what we were created to do by living resurrection life, by living the life that we are created to live with and in Christ Jesus. God knows the things that you've had to overcome. God knows the things in the future that perhaps you will need to deal with, the challenges, the trials that you may face. And that work is necessary because we do need to be continually transformed by the Spirit of God. However, what God also sees is everything that he placed in you at the very beginning. And he's seeking to call that out because that is the fullness of life that you were created to live. Uh, John Piper Um, a theologian in the States. He has this phrase that I love. It encapsulates what it is to be a follower of Jesus. He says, uh, God is most glorified when I am fully satisfied in him. So as we begin to unpack a little bit at the beginning of this message what resurrection life is, what the fullness of life is, it is being wholly and fully satisfied in God. And I believe that takes place when you begin to walk out your God-given destiny and calling. God who created you, he knows what he placed in your life. He knows when all of that uh, that he put in you is going to begin to pour out of your life. And when it does, you can live in the fullness of who you were created to be. But there is a secret in the gospel that perhaps sometimes is put to one side, sometimes is scrubbed over a little bit. But this is at the heart of what it means when you put your trust in Jesus. And that is that if you're going to be born again, you need to die first. You can't be born again and still be living your old life, right? You need to be born into your new life. And there's scriptures upon scriptures of Jesus speaking and other apostles writing about this that make it so clear. Jesus, who said, I am the resurrection and life, the one who believes in me will live even though they die. In Romans 6, 8, Paul writes, Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. In Matthew 16, 25, it says, For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And Paul writes in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. For us to be fully satisfied in God, the, the desires of the flesh need to be denied. For us to be fully satisfied in God, there is a spiritual death and a rebirth that takes place in us. Out of our willingness to deny self, to lose our lives, to lay down our flesh, is the invitation to receive from God the true and deep longings that we have. When God created you and he purposed you, he placed desires 
deep in our hearts. There are desires that we each have that are different to one another. There are longings that we each have that is connected to the destiny that God created you for. It is in living resurrection life that those deep longings can come to bear. The promise is that in Jesus we can receive every spiritual blessing from the heavenly places and that by living the resurrection life, that is a life where it is possible to live and to walk to the greatest measure of God's promises over you as an individual. Living the resurrection life is living your best life. Living your best life is doing the good works that God prepared for you to do in advance. And now I say all of that as a prelude, really, as a a starting point into the message that we want to get into this morning. Because um, for us to live the life that we're created to live, we must begin to know the God who created us. Unless you know your creator, you don't know your function. Unless you connect to the one who made you, you don't know what you were put on this earth to do. And the place that we go to know God, the place that we go to hear from God, is his presence. Whether it's through worship, whether it's through prayer, whether it's as a body, as a church, or whether it's you alone in your bedroom with the door closed, whether you're amongst other believers in a house group, or whether you're on your own crying out to God, we each have been given the opportunity to gain access to the living God through the blood of Jesus. In Ephesians 2, verse 4, it says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages we might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. In salvation... God changed our positioning. It says that we are raised up with Christ and seated with him in the heavenly places. The heavenly places are a picture of the temple that uh, uh, the the people of Israel built, that Solomon built. Uh, So when you think about what it may be like in the heavenly realms, remember it's it's a Uh, What happened on earth was an adaptation of that. But it says that we are seated, that we are alive and seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Now, all of this connects to what Jesus did on the cross. When Jesus died on the cross, some mad things happened. If you go back to the scriptures and read, particularly in the book of Matthew, you'll see some crazy things happened. the, the, The sky went dark. There was an earthquake. It says that even dead people rose out of their graves. There's some crazy things. But it also says that the temple was destroyed, something that Jesus prophesied that would happen. And the veil, the curtain in the temple was torn from top to bottom. That place, that curtain, 
prevented people from going to the most holy place in the temple. That curtain prevented people from going to the place where uh, God uh, dwelt, where God resided. And um, that changes everything. That changes everything for you and for me. This may be a shock to you, but I'm not Jewish. Um, Don't think so. I have heard my dad, who has the ancestry stuff, say, we might have a little bit. But I'm definitely not pure-blooded. I'm not a Levite. I'm not from a priestly family within the, the Jewish people. And by the law, the law of Moses, I have no access to God. I have no access to the holy place. I have no access to the place where God dwells. But because of Jesus, this is what it says in Hebrews 10, we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. Jesus opened the way for you and for I. Access for every one of us believers, has been given for us to go to the very presence of the living God. In the history of Israel, it says that people, the high priest, one person, could only go into the holy place once a year. Now, now each and every one of us has been given the access, the opportunity to go to God anytime any place. Amen? Amen. In John 4, Jesus is speaking to a Samaritan woman. Bear in mind, she very much was an outsider who would not have been given opportunity to even enter the temple at all, let alone the holy place. And in this conversation, she says to Jesus, our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you Jews claim that the place where we must worship is in Jerusalem. Woman, Jesus replied, believe me, a time is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You Samaritans worship what you do not know. We worship what we do know, for salvation is from the Jews. Yet a time is coming and has now come where the true worshippers will worship with the Father in the Spirit and in truth. For they are the kind of worshippers the Father seeks. God is spirit and his worshippers must worship in the spirit and in truth. Access has been given anywhere, not just in the temple, not just on a particular mountain. Anywhere we are given access to worship God. At any time you can come to him. In any circumstance, you can call upon the name of Jesus who will meet you in your hour of need. And it brings me great comfort. It brings me such security, the knowledge that my God is just a word away. I can call upon him. I can ask him to, be, uh, to come and comfort me. I can ask him to help me. I can ask him to bring his peace into my soul and into my heart at any moment, at any time. And it's a service, you could say, that is available to us. It's amazing when something that is out of bounds suddenly is available and you can use it as much as you like. It reminds me a little bit, although it's kind of a poor 
uh, a poor picture, but it's one that I will go with anyway. Um, it's a bit like, have you ever been on holiday and suddenly you've got an all-inclusive deal? And, uh, and amazingly, everything is available at any time. You can have a drink at any time. The debate I've had with some of my mates is, at what time is it okay to have a beer in the morning uh, when it's free? Although you have already paid for it, obviously. Um, uh, or for others, it's like the buffet is always there. And at any time, I can go in there and just take what I want. I can have six ice creams a day if I want to. It's available for you. Now, perhaps by the end of two weeks, you're thinking, I don't want to go near that buffet. <laughs> but with the presence of God, sometimes we can take it for granted. The opportunity to be before the Almighty God, we can take that for granted that He is available to us. This morning, I want to encourage you to run into the presence of God whenever you have opportunity to, because that is the place where you can begin to enjoy your relationship with God. When you arrive in God's presence, when you encounter Him, and I suppose for some of you are thinking, I don't. I don't know if I have encountered God's presence. Well, any time when your heart begins to respond to God with a greater love for him, any time when your worship lifts, and it's not just singing words anymore, but you're, you're reaching out and, and, and something's flowing from the depth of your heart, whenever you just get caught up in, God is so good, he's so good to me, he's so loving, he gives me all that I need. Whenever you get caught up in the goodness, the wonder, and the grace of God, that is when you're encountering his presence. Now, sometimes people say that, that people that, uh, that keep going to, to pray or keep going to worship, they just get lost in their own little world. Uh, they're away, the phrase would be they're away with the fairies in terms of what, what others might say. But I want to tell you this this morning. When you are in the presence of God, it is then that you are fully alive. When you are encounter the presence of God, when you begin to see his goodness, that is when you're actually touching reality. That is when you're touching who you were created to be. That is when you are touching the purpose for which you were made. The one who knows you. The one who loves you. The one who purposed you from the very beginning. You're not lost in your own world, but you're awakened to who God is. The one who created you, the one who knows your deepest longings, is the one that you can run to and encounter the presence, encounter who he is, and begin to see how you can live your life out there in the not-so-real world. Sometimes, as we live our lives, we become darkened, or, or God becomes hazy, or we can't quite see God in the midst of our normal, everyday activities. But in the presence of God, when you're with God, everything else can fall into place. Everything else can make sense. The invitation for each one of us, the access given, is that we can encounter and know the living God. The invitation to you this morning is to use your access. We are fully alive when we know God. We are fully alive when we encounter him. 
do we use the access that we have been given? Well, I don't know if this is going to be a real profound statement. It's not going to be a shock to most of you. But Satan does not want you to come into God's presence. The enemy is fighting against each and every one of us from encountering God. The enemy, the father of lies, uses lies as his weapon to prevent us from encountering God's presence. Lies such as God isn't really there. Lies such as you are wasting your time. Lies such as you have more important things to do. But I want to focus on perhaps the biggest lie that Satan uses to prevent us from passing through the, the torn veil and are encountering the living God. And that is this, that you are not worthy. Satan uses this lie consistently and relentlessly against every believer. Every one of us, he will use this lie. And I can specify it a bit further. The enemy will say such things as you're not worthy to come before God and enjoy his presence because you're, you're too dirty or because you've blown it big time or because you don't know what you did. Or the enemy might say, how could God still want you? Or the enemy could say, God can't use you. You're just a sinner and that's all you'll ever be. Have you ever felt like this? Because I know I have. At times, or sometimes, all the time. We've all sinned, and we all continue to sin. The reason is because our flesh is still under the influence of the fall. And while we've been given this new spirit, and we're being transformed by the Holy Spirit, our desire, the desire of the spirit is to follow God, but that's at war with the flesh in us. But the point I want to make is whether it's big sins or small sins, there is only one solution. This is a message for every one of us. And perhaps there are some people who know the, the kind of unbearable conflict of daily conflict with sin. Because you're genuinely a follower of Christ, but there's something, that, an addiction that binds you. That, that is uh, around your life and you wake up in the morning and it's there and you go to bed at night and it's there. There are some of you here, whether it be uh, pride or greed or lust, uh, sexual morality, the love of money, hatred, whatever it might be, there is uh, something there that has got a grip and the enemy will use that time and time again to prevent you from running to the presence of God. The very place the enemy wants to withhold you from going is the very place we need to be. Satan tries to convince us that we're unfit to go into the presence of God. Even in being at church, the enemy might whisper into your ear, why are you lifting your hands? You're too dirty to do that. The enemy might say to you, you can't worship God. He saw what you did last night. The enemy might say, he heard what you said a moment ago. God knows what you're thinking. You think God is going to accept you? The enemy might say, okay, you may be going to heaven one day, but while here on earth, you've blown it. But God's presence is exactly what we need, and we have been given access to it. 
Hebrews 4, verse 15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who, is, who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's two things really to say here. Number one, I'm not going to go into detail, but just to know that Jesus empathizes with us, just to know that Jesus knows some of what we are dealing with just brings great comfort to us. But two is what I really want to focus on, and that is that the very place where God dwells is the place where we gain mercy and grace in our time of need. The place where God is is where we receive the mercy and grace in our time of need. The very forgiveness you need is found in the presence of God. Satan wants to withhold us from going to the presence of God because he knows it's the place where we need to go. Right there, we gain the forgiveness that we need. Right there, we are given the power to walk in victory over sin. When we have fallen into sin, we need that revelation of God's forgiveness provided at the cross. And when you confess your sin, when you acknowledge it for what it is, when you repent, then you receive forgiveness. The forgiveness that Jesus freely purchased for you. Your present identity as a believer is, I am forgiven. So we can run to Jesus to receive the forgiveness that we need. We also need the power that gives us victory over sin, power to go and sin no more, power to overcome what has been overwhelming you. And that power is available for us at, um, when we go into God's presence. Everything we need is found in God's presence. This is a particular example of it. But you can't make things right with God by stepping away and, uh, and feeling guilty and shameful and kind of waiting for a period of time until that kind of has disappeared and then going back to God and saying, oh, oh God, forgive me. Because then the convictions disappeared. The answer is that when we fall into sin is we run to God's presence. We run to him. We cry out to him. We do not wait, but we go straight to the one who has the power to forgive, who has the one who can give us the mercy and the grace that we need to keep living this life. And, and church, I suppose what I, uh, I'm asking or inviting us is for us to be bold in accessing the one that we very need. Bold in stepping out. It says in scripture that we can boldly approach God's throne because of the blood of Jesus. So in confidence, we run to Jesus because he is able to forgive. Sometimes you know that in your that to live, that to live the full life that God has for you, changes have to be made. There's a shift that has to be made in our hearts, in our minds, in the way that we're living our lives. And for us to be fully satisfied in him, it is then that we bring glory, most glory to God. We need to begin to walk out a different lifestyle, a different way of living. Going into the presence of God isn't just about feeling better in ourselves, 
It's not just about being more content in who we are, although those are things I expect for you to receive. The presence of God is also about equipping us. It's also about preparing us. It's also about God pouring into each and every one of us, his spirit, his life, uh, holiness, um, righteousness, to enable us to live this life uh, all the time. That you're living in the presence of God at all times. That you don't go into the so-called real world to, um, and, and disappear from God's presence, but you walk in it daily, walk in it at all times. We access the presence and God builds us up. We access the presence of God and he pours into us. We access God and he prepares us and sends us out to be a blessing to others. And this is the theme uh, from, for Kizzy and I at the moment and for Joshua as well. Um, if you were here three weeks ago, you would have heard that um, in July we're, we're moving on from BTC, stepping out into mission and um, so thankful for what God has been able to do in us through us in this church, but it's because of the times that we've spent in God's presence where we felt God reminding us of the call that he's given. We felt God encouraging us to to step up into greater boldness. We felt God speak deep into our hearts about the longings and the desires that we have there that we feel like the time is now for us to step into that. Now, that's for us and what God's doing in our life right now, and it'd be different what God wants to equip you and prepare you for as well. But what happens in God's presence is that what was mission impossible becomes possible with God. The things out there that you thought one day, perhaps, maybe, it looks a bit too hard for me, suddenly in God's presence it becomes real, it becomes tangible, it becomes possible. You know, as we were praying earlier for the city of London, we could be in a place where it's like, there's no hope for London. There's no hope for these young people. Nothing can change. You encounter the presence of God and you begin to stir up faith. God can bring transformation to our city. God can bring a transformation through uh, the lives of our young people. They can turn their hearts back to Jesus. They can live lives of fullness and wholeness. When you encounter the presence of God, you begin to stir up that cry, that heart within each and every one of us that God can do all things. Access has been given. The invitation has been given to each and every one of us that we can journey into resurrection life with Christ. Will you take up your place with God? Would you come to him boldly? Would you come to him and enable him to not just bring about the grace that we each need to live our lives, but also to be equipped to send us out This morning, you may have noticed, communion table is set. And you're probably thinking, when did that, uh, when was that supposed to happen? Well, we're coming to that point this morning. There's going to be an opportunity for everyone here to respond as we take communion together. I want to touch on a verse that I shared a bit earlier in Hebrews 10. It says this. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain, 
That is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with the full assurance that faith brings. Having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. The scripture continues, but I'm going to move on. We're going to be um, sharing at the communion table now. Um, Even in the scripture we just read, we have confidence because of the precious blood of Jesus. It says here, by a new and living way open to us through the curtain, that is, his body. And it just occurred to me as I was thinking through the scripture in terms of the bread that represents Christ's body being broken and at that same time the curtain being broken. As Jesus' body was broken on the cross, it made a way for us to gain access to the Father. It opens a way beyond the curtain. So while the blood cleanses and washes, the bread brings about access. The breaking of the bread brings about access to God. I want to invite the, uh, the team forward who are going to be um, helping us with communion. This morning, um, breaking what has become our normal tradition and inviting you guys to come forward to receive communion. Um, there'll be two points where there'll be um, grape juice uh, to receive and bread to take. But let's just pray over the bread and let's pray over the wine together. Jesus, we want to thank you for your body broken. Jesus, we want to thank you that when you died on the cross, you laid down your life. You gave up your body for us. And in the breaking of your body, you made a way for us to come to the Most High. You made a way for us to have relationship with God. You made a way for us to be reconciled and redeemed. Because of your body broken, you opened the way that we can know the living God. We bless you and we thank you. And Jesus, we want to thank you for your precious blood. We have confidence to enter the holy place because we've been cleansed and washed in the blood of Jesus. Thank you for this precious blood. Thank you that we can boldly approach you. Thank you that we can come into your presence. Thank you that we can live a resurrection life, the best life, because of what you gave for us. Thank you for this precious blood. We receive it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing a song. Uh, You are welcome to come forward, welcome to receive this. Perhaps um, if you need to, take a moment to, uh, to ask God for the forgiveness that you need today. Ask God for the grace and mercy you need today as you queue up, as you come and receive what God has for you. We're going to sing a song as we do that. Let's stand. Thank you, Jesus.
Father, we, we thank you for your precious son that you gave to us. We thank you that there is a hope that has been given. There is a freedom that has been won. There is a resurrection life that is available to each and every one of us. Thank you, Lord, that you have made that holy place open access for all that are saved, for all that have put their trust in you. We can come and spend time in your presence. We can come and encounter the living God. We can draw close to you and know that you are with us. We praise you, we thank you. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every one of us that we would use the access that we have been given. May the enemies not stop us from running to you, almighty God. May the lies not prevent us from encountering the living God and receiving the grace, the mercy and the forgiveness that we so need to live our best life for you. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that we can step into fullness. I thank you, Jesus, that we have been made anew in Christ Jesus. We bless you, God.